Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on a Independence Day weekend. I hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I am Jason Kong, and I have the pleasure of being here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? Good morning, Jason. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I hope you are. I'm doing wonderful. A nice little holiday weekend here, so it's uh, uh, things well, are wonderful. Well, I, I, I will take issue with you. I, it's not a little holiday weekend. It's a big Big holiday weekend. You're right. You're right. You know, and uh, Independence Day, uh, you know, um, July the 4th, it, it is um, – it's a special day. And and actually, I wanted to talk about it uh, in that, that way because, you know, I love history. Uh, I, I love this country. Uh, and and what it means in terms of not only for us as Americans, but uh, what it means uh, to the rest of the world uh, in, in many, many ways. Uh, it, it's ironic in many ways that uh, um, our some of our closest allies are our former enemies, if you think about it. I, I mean, uh, three, clearly, three uh, of our strongest allies are what? Great Britain, England, uh, Germany, and Japan. <laughs> All being uh, enemies of this country at, at, uh, at, at one time. So it just shows you how over time uh, things change in a, in a big, big way. But uh, Independence Day uh, is an important day for us. It's far more than enjoying the weekend. It's far more than enjoying the firework displays. So, you know, I hope I give folks a little bit of food for thought uh, as it relates uh, to Independence Day. As so, as you as you're out and about, hopefully. Um, uh, this weekend and enjoying the 4th of July uh, festivities. Uh, and I, I do hope that uh, folks are out there enjoying uh, the weekend. Uh, that's what we all should be doing rather than necessarily uh, uh, inside uh, uh, listening to this show. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but the fact is, is that uh, um, the uh, uh, early colonists, if you will. We, we were British subjects. And so uh, when we think about independence, uh, what are we thinking of? Independence from what? Uh, well, you know, our forefathers were risk takers, no question about it, because uh, they, in terms of uh, breaking away from Great Britain, uh, people uh, had to risk their lives. They had to risk their lands and their fortunes. Uh, they had to risk everything uh, in order to form this country. Um, it, and it was no easy task. I mean, the fact is, is that um, this country was not united. Uh, we had separate colonies. Uh, uh, to think that uh, the, this um, group of people could fight what was then considered the strongest army in the world uh, and the strongest navy in the world 
that's pretty bold if, if you think about it. But frankly, people were being, they were tired and frustrated of being ruled by a despot, the king of England. Um, they were, I mean, what are some of the mantras that were said? Uh, freedom from taxation without representation. Um, well, you know, those were important things. There were economic interests, there were political interests, uh, and, the, and the like. And North Carolina was a big part of that. Uh, you know, for those of us in North Carolina, one of the things that is uh, that we are very proud of is the fact that North Carolina was in the the early parts of wanting to break away from Great Britain. I mean, we have the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence, which came. Uh, more than a year before uh, the Declaration of Independence uh, uh, that f folks think about that is, is sitting in the National Archives in Washington, um, the folks in Mecklenburg County issued their own Declaration of Independence uh, long before that. And, of course, the Halifax Resolves was another part of North Carolina history where we were uh, breaking away. All that really uh, is important, but uh, what was it about? In other words, what was the result of it? Why was it there? What were they looking towards? Obviously, uh, you know, we talk about the, a more perfect union, if, if you will, uh, but uh, what we really ended up with uh, was a unique experience. Uh, you know, it, it, it was an experiment, if you will, because it had never been done in the history of the world before what we did in the United States, what became the United States. Because for the first time uh, in the history of the world, this country became a country based upon laws Rather, now obviously I'm a lawyer, so that's important to me. Uh, that's something that we should celebrate. But a governance based on laws rather than the arbitrary dictates of one man or one woman who's the despot, if you will. Uh, and, but, you know, form, forming this country was, was not. Uh, it was not a guaranteed thing, if you will. I mean, folks don't realize that our Constitution was not something that occurred prior to the Declaration of Independence that folks had penned. It wasn't. I mean, the way this country came together was sort of like making laws today. It was sausage, if you will. You, they didn't know what they were going to get until they came out with it. And fortunately, we had some very... Uh, smart and unique people who were able to come together uh, that that understood what things had been like in the past and wanted significant changes. But you know what a lot of folks don't realize, Jason, is the fact, and this is another thing where North Carolina, those of us who uh, are from North Carolina, uh, have a right to be very proud because you know that Americans today are are proud of uh, 
being individuals, uh, proud that uh, we have, to some degree, the the ability to form our own destiny uh, with what we call our individual rights. But, you know, the original Constitution did not give us individual rights. Did you know that? Well, see, that's, that's why it's like this. Now, the original Constitution uh, did have some unique fe- features. In other words, uh, the, what we call separation of powers. That was a really important thing, you know, where you had, in essence, the executive, in essence, the president. Uh, you had a Congress to make the laws. In other words, the executive doesn't make the laws. The Congress makes the laws. And then the court system interprets those laws. Well, that's what our Constitution did. And it created what we call a representative form of government, you know, a republic, if you will. Now, uh, the fact is, is that the union, if you will, was not a perfect union when it started, and it's still not perfect. Uh, And we can talk about that. But where I'm coming from is North Carolina refused, as a colony, to join the rest of the colonies in creating a country until what? until the Bill of Rights. Those were the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, and North Carolina was one of only several states that refused to join until our individual rights were protected. And so most of the things that we're proud of has more to do with those individual rights, you know, the freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to assemble, freedom of religion, freedom to bear arms. All of those are where? And the first Ten Amendments to the Constitution, which it really, I mean, so the bottom line, what we call the Bill of Rights is what most Americans are really most proud of, if you really get down to it. Now, the whole thing, separation of powers uh, and representative government, was important to us, but those individual rights are the things that that are truly important to us as Americans. And of course, North Carolina was a big uh, part of that. But now, the fact is that, and this is something that's part of the more perfect union that I want folks to really understand in terms of how this country has evolved. All right, so yes, we talk about a representative government, but the fact is, is that most Americans, when this country was formed, could not vote, could not vote. You know, you might remember, because I talk about this occasionally, Jason, what was the percentage of Americans who could actually vote when this country was formed. I want to say it was somewhere around 5%. That's right, exactly. I think it's closer to 4%. But you're thinking, well, dang, that means 96% couldn't even vote. You know, so the right to vote 
is really important to us today, or it should be if it's not, you, you know, it's the kind of thing, exercising the right to vote is the most important thing we can do as citizens. But the fact is, is that why was that percentage so low? Well, it's because so many people were excluded from voting. All right, think about this. All right, first of all, half of the population couldn't vote. So what half was that? That would be the women. No question about it. It took women until the 20th century before they got the right to vote. How screwed up is that? Uh, All right. So there now, uh, if we go back, do you know what the life expectancy back then was? Oh, boy. Not very good. I can tell you that. Mid-40s. Okay. So now, how old did you have to be to vote? Is it 18? 21. 21. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. So what what does that do? That basically excluded another half, if you will, because if you only lived to be 45 and you couldn't vote till you're 21, uh, obviously there was a, a, a problem there. Okay. There was another group that, that – uh, well, actually lots of groups that couldn't vote, but what was another one? Non-Caucasians. That's exactly right. Blacks couldn't vote. Uh, and, uh, you know, that – uh, was clear, uh, and there was another group that uh, couldn't vote initially uh, because you had to own land to vote initially. I mean, in other words, there were a lot of barriers that were created so that uh, only uh, white, educated, landowning people uh, could actually select uh their representatives uh, to the government. And so uh, now, obviously, uh, the creation of a more perfect union is not fought on the battlefield today. Where is it fought? In the courtrooms. Well, two places, and that's one of them. You know, it basically, to, uh, forming a more perfect union today is fought in the halls of Congress and in our courthouses across the country. And, uh, of course, so uh, – and that's exactly where it should be fought, if you will, uh, not uh, uh, anywhere else. And, of course, uh, there is lots of disagreement uh, among us as to what is a more perfect union, and that's where there are fights in the halls of Congress and fights in our courthouses. Um, but the fact is is that uh, – so many of the barriers uh, have, in fact, uh, been abolished over, over the years. It seems to me that now uh, uh, some of the state legislatures are, are trying to create additional barriers, which I think are absolutely wrong. I think everyone should be able uh, to vote. We should make it as easy as possible to vote so that we do have a truly representative uh, uh, government. And of course, another issue that we're dealing with right now is gerrymandering, where it seems that the legislature is carving up districts so they are selecting the voters rather than the voters selecting them. Uh, now, uh, is that new? No, it's, it's how do we form a more perfect union if we could, you know, there are issues like that that uh, obviously uh, could help this country along in terms of where we need to be in the future, I think. But that's, but the point is, is that we need to step back and think about 
where we came from and uh, why we have what we have in this country, why we have the freedoms. And the fact is, is that we, we need to understand that uh, it, it's fragile. Freedom is fragile. And we, in, in other words, if we don't embrace our responsibility as citizens, uh, we could lose it. And uh, if we lose it, it would be a real tragedy. Uh, the experiment that started, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, it, it we just have to keep appreciating what we have. We have to honor what we have. Uh, we have to vote. That's for darn sure. And hopefully over time, uh, our our lives will be better. Our children's lives will be part of a more perfect union than our union will be, and our grandchildren even better. Uh, but it's up to us to keep what we've got. Very well said, Bill. You always have very thoughtful things to say about our country due to uh, the time that you spent serving our country and your uh, love of history. I always enjoy these chats with you, Bill, because you always give us something to think about. We are also going to get to some asset protection items. We're going to be talking about our homes and some retirement planning and maybe a little bit about what moving in our senior years looks like. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget, you can always go online to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website. That's where you can schedule an appointment to speak with him. You can also find information about his practice and the areas of expertise that Bill has. You can also find information about Bill's monthly seminars. He's got a set of seminars happening just around the corner on Wednesday, July 14th. And these free seminars cover the subjects of long-term care assistance for those dealing with a long-term care crisis, as well as a seminar dealing with asset protection and trust planning, which we often talk about on this program. Again, it is free to register, free to attend. These are happening Wednesday, July 14th. All you have to do is go to WGALaw.com, click on the seminars button at the top of the page, fill out that registration form. These are currently happening in the form of webinars, so you can do it from the comfort of your own home. And this is your chance to pick Bill's brain. You can go to WGALaw.com and click on that seminars button to register. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander and Bill let's get into a discussion here about some asset protection. Let's let's get into that. Well, no question. Well, the first first of all, for many of us, the most important asset that we have is our home and for some the farm if you will. But uh, the fact is is that it might not be the most valuable asset that we have because a lot of folks who've uh, prepared for retirement have fairly large retirement accounts, whether it's a 401k or an IRA or a Roth or the like. But the fact is, is that um, even if our retirement account is larger than the value of our home, our home tends to be the most important asset 
to us. It's our security blanket, if you will. Um, and it's also the asset that so many folks um, have a strong desire to protect. In other words, they don't want to lose their home because of long-term care issues uh, or creditor issues or any other issues. They, it's important to them to protect it for themselves and for their children and grandchildren often. Um, and so uh, there are, from my own perspective, do's and don'ts in terms of how do you protect the house. Um, now, obviously, the easiest way to protect the home from creditors, if you will, or downturns in the market or uh, issues like that is to have the house paid off <laughs> before you retire. You know, that, you know, that is the conservative and, in my, my opinion, the best um, financial advice that, that we can give is to take the conservative approach and make sure that your debts are paid before you retire. Now, not everybody can do that, um, it, you know. But the fact is, is that for for the great number of people who actually still uh, have a mortgage when they retire, or they still have a good bit of debt when they retire, it basically means that they have not been planning well. It means that they have been living above their means, spending more money than they should have been spending, in essence. Um, and that's a bad sign for retirement, if you think about it, <laughs> okay? But there are financial advisors out there, a lot of them, quite frankly, that basically say, no, 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 if you have a low-interest mortgage, uh, then you really should keep paying your mortgage and Put your money, save your money. Let us invest it for you, um, and we'll make more money. And and you'll end up uh, over time uh, with more money if you if you do it that way. And, and frankly, I don't buy into that. And, and why not? Because what they're not. I mean, long term, if they're really good advisors, they might be telling the truth. But the fact is, they don't know the future. And the fact is that the markets are volatile. They go down at times. And if they go, if the markets go down at the wrong time, and you need money to pay bills that have nothing to do with the economy, you're really in, that's when they're, good advice is going to be the worst advice that you could have ever listened to. If you're debt-free, if your home is paid off and the markets go down, guess what? You're still secure, <laughs> you know, and your fixed income that you rely on in retirement goes much farther for you uh, in terms of spending power than if you have a big debt to pay every month. Uh, so, you know, obviously one of the first things that you can do is plan for your retirement by having your home paid off um, when you retire. Um, now, for some, it you know, d who typically don't live in North Carolina, sometimes, the, particularly in the Northeast, they can sell their home and take the equity out, 
come down here and live the good lifestyle and basically pay cash for a ha much bigger house here than what they could have had up there. Now, that's a different thing. But for, for most of us who have to structure <laughs> these things out, it's a matter of living below your means, saving money, and having your debts paid off uh, when you retire. So that's one thing. Now, when you get to other issues, like because there are an awful lot of seniors that worry about – I don't want to lose my house because I might have long-term care issues. And so it's how do I get in front of that? And, and now, the fact is, and I, and I harp on this, it has to be, the fact is, if you have the right legal documents in place, and that includes an advanced general durable power of attorney as a senior, which most seniors do not have. Most seniors have a, a general durable power of attorney that doesn't work for asset protection. And the only way you would know as a senior is to have an elder law attorney review that document. And more often than not, I know when I review them, I recommend a different one, a more advanced one, uh, more often, way more often than not, because it's rare when other attorneys or anything that you can get out of a book or online will be the kind of power of attorney that you need for asset protection planning. Now, what about giving it to the kids? Worst thing you could possibly do. I mean, the fact is, number one, you lose control if you do that. What about, I mean, I'll give you an example, and I, I know that I'm going on too long, but you know, what about giving the kids a life estate, retaining – in other words, you give them the remainder interest, you reserve a life estate for yourself so you can still live there. Well, the fact is if you need to control the house – I had a client years ago who gave one of their children a, a, the remainder interest in the house, retained a life estate, then the husband died, then the, the uh, wife and mother, the widow, needed care – outside the home. She needed assisted living. Well, guess what? She had no money. So the only thing she had was the equity in her house. She either needed to borrow against the house or she needed to sell the house. Well, guess what? She needed the permission of her daughter and her daughter's husband in order to do that. And you know what? They refused. Now, you know, we threatened and all of that good stuff. But the bottom line is, is that those threats were hollow, and if the if the lady didn't have have had not had a wonderful church uh, that helped to support her and Meals on Wheels, she would have died just because she needed care. And, and truthfully, um, but the but the daughter just turned her back, and that's what you call losing control. And the fact is, you can protect your house if you have the right documents in place without losing control. So giving your house away, I mean, and the other issue when you give your house to your kids, there are tax issues that are terrible for you, particularly if you have to sell the house uh, during your lifetime um, in order to pay for care that you need. So, And your children can have worse creditor problems than you have. Uh, and they could lose the house because you've given it to them, and then they have a crisis themselves. And I guarantee you, your children are bigger risk takers than you are as seniors. And so there's so many issues that involve losing your house because you have 
in essence, done it wrong. Uh, but it's easier to protect your house if you keep it. You don't transfer interest to your children, but you have the right documents in case you have a crisis in later life. Before you make a big mistake like some of the ones that Bill just mentioned, speak to an elder law attorney, have your documents reviewed. You can have a conversation, schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. Go to WGALaw.com. It's very easy to do. You can also register for Bill's free seminars at WGALaw.com by clicking on the seminars button. If you want to call the office to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, you can do that by calling 919 256 7,919-256-7,000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget, WGALaw.com is where you can go to find more information about Bill. It's also where you can go to register for Bill's free seminars happening on Wednesday, July 14th, covering the subjects of asset protection and trust planning, as well as long-term care assistance for those dealing with the financial impact of a long-term care crisis. This is a wonderful way to get free education on these subjects. Bill spends about an hour and a half discussing these and also takes your questions as well, and they're done uh, via Zoom. These are in the form of webinars currently, so you can enjoy them from the comfort of your own home. Again, it's free to attend, free to register. Just go to wgalaw.com. Dot com and click on the seminars button and fill out that registration form. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're going to now shift our focus on to retirement planning. Well, and, and part of retirement planning is truthfully retirement budgeting and trying to figure out, okay, how can we live in a, uh, a good life? How can we... Um, know that we're not going to run out of money during our retirement. And for a lot of us, it's how do we accomplish our goals of living the lifestyle we want to live uh, and not running out of money, not being a burden, financially at least, on our children, and, uh, and hopefully being able to leave something to our children as our own legacy. Um, all of those are important, and of course, uh, it, part of it is recognizing that we are living longer, and we, we really do need to plan for retirement and make good choices. So many folks don't realize how many choices can be so important. So there are, are obviously things we can do to maximize our retirement income in terms of the choices we make for ourselves, and part of it is choices we make for our spouse as well. Uh, clearly, Social Security elections need to be made um, thinking about our financial needs in the future, and so many people make terrible choices when it comes to Social Security. There are a lot of folks that think, oh, it's easy, no problem. I just, you know, 
but the fact is, is that there are options with Social Security, and for most of us, it's much better to delay taking our Social Security until at least our full retirement age. And for most of us, uh, particularly those of us in good health, it's even delaying till age 70. There is no financial advisor who can guarantee 8% a year, which is what Social Security guarantees us for delaying our election. Uh, and for those whose full retirement age is 67, uh, by delaying till 70 and taking the maximum Social Security, it only takes them to live uh, till about age 78 to maximum, you know, to basically get back what they ha- didn't get in those th- first three years. Well, the bottom line is that's really important to understand because living for 25 years in retirement is highly likely for the majority of us. That's at least 20 years, but many, many, many of us will live 25 or 30 years into retirement, depending on when we retire. But the fact is, is that all of us are living longer. And when we retire, most of us have a, quote, fixed income. Well, it's really important to realize that what that means is every year our spending power decreases. Why is that? It's because of inflation. And typically our retirement, uh, even though there are some increases with Social Security every year, it doesn't keep up with inflation for most of us. So our buying power goes down uh, every year. Well, obviously, that means we have to get that extra money from somewhere, and that typically is going to be our nest egg. <laughs> and so balancing out that nest egg is extremely important uh, to all of us. And, of course, the, the fact is, is this is where people need really good advice. So having good advisors makes a big, big difference in one's ability to know what they can spend and, and that means budget, if you will, because uh, recognizing that a budget can be changed because of emergencies and things like that, but at least it gives you a game plan that's really important. And retirement game planning is super, super important to folks. But, but recognize that a lot of the formulas out there for retirements are garbage. I mean, if you really think about it. There are a lot of folks that say, okay, with your nest egg, uh, you uh, balance, only buy so many, such a percentage in equities. They say uh, 100 minus your age. In other words, if you were 70 years old and – Okay, 100 minus 70 is 30, and they're saying you should only have 30% equities in your portfolio under those. Uh, and then they'll say, well, a less ri- or a more risky uh, scheme is use 110. Well, that means, shoot, 110 minus 70, that means 40% equities. And when, when they say that equities means stocks, and that means 60% bonds, well, you know, the bottom line is formulas are only so good, and have bonds actually been good investments the last few years? No, they've been terrible. The worst investments people have had over the last number of years have been these mixed 50-50 or 60-40 or 70-30 
portfolios, uh, they've actually had less returns, and they haven't really been any safer. Yeah. Part of the reasons is because the, the interest rates have been so low, and bonds are interest rate sensitive. It basically means when interest rates go up, bond values go down. So you lose money on your bonds that way. So there are, uh, you know, it's bottom line. People do need good financial advisors. They need good financial advice. But the formulas don't necessarily work for people, and, and you know, it's the kind of thing where maybe at one time those formulas work for people, but do they? Uh, you have to recognize that times change, and some of these old formulas don't necessarily work. And so you you have to get a good advisor who can steer you in the right direction and and uh, help you with with your nest egg. That is so important um, to folks in terms of how to make sure that they don't run out of money and that their their budget is right on track in terms of uh, where they need to be. Um, you know, and there's some no-brainers. Stay away from credit cards other unless you're paying them off every month. <laughs> now, I will say you should be using a credit card instead of a debit card, and that's for your own safety. There are lots of scams out there, and credit cards are actually safer. Uh, to use uh, than your debit card because you don't want scammers getting your debit card number and and being able to get into your bank account because they have your debit card. Credit cards aren't that way, and but you have to pay those credit cards off every month. Um, that's really important too. That's wonderful advice and things that we need to keep in mind as we enter or uh, are currently in our retirement years. So thank you for that, Bill. Don't forget, WGALaw.com is where you can go to find more information about Bill, whether that's to schedule an appointment to speak with him or if you're interested in finding more about Bill's free seminars happening on Wednesday, July 14th, covering the topics of long-term care assistance, as well as asset protection and trust planning. Just go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. WGALaw.com is where you can go to find more information about Bill. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're now going to spend some time talking about moving in our senior years and some things that we need to keep on our minds if that's a decision that we're considering. Well, it's an important thing to think about in terms of if you're seriously thinking about selling your home and moving and what your choices are. I mean, lots and lots of folks do, in fact, move, particularly near their grandchildren. Uh, and, you know, the grandchildren are living three states away. And so you, you in retirement, you decide that's more important. You'd rather be close to them uh, than to uh, where you've been living uh, for a long time. Or for some other folks, it's like this house is really big. Uh, I don't need this much house. It's expensive to keep up. Uh, I'm thinking about selling it. So um, now, a few things. Number one, it's expensive to move. You know, the average cost of moving 
is $5,000. And that does not include the commissions paid on the sale of your home or the commission paid on the purchase of a new home or closing costs or the furniture and furnishings and draperies and blinds and all the stuff that you need in a new home, recognizing that oftentimes when you downsize, that the big furniture you have in your big house, oftentimes a lot of it won't fit in your new house. So you end up maybe spending thirty or forty thousand dollars moving rather than five or ten thousand dollars moving. So all of those can be important in terms of considering, you know, what you're actually gonna do. The other mistake that I see people make is the fact that they uh, they they sell their home and 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 let's say they're seventy five years old and they buy a new home in the community where their grandchildren live. Well, oftentimes that's a financial mistake because, quite frankly, unless you're in super good health, oftentimes when you get towards your 80s, things don't go well. And oftentimes you can't live by yourself anymore or you can't live in that new home. And if you can't stay in a home at least five years, you're going to lose money on the sale of your home because you won't get back what you actually paid for it more often than not. So alternatively, if you're moving to a new area, renting is often a better idea than buying, at least initially, or considering an independent living community or a continuing care community sometimes can be a, a much better choice. Now, if you're younger and wanting to move, like you're in your 50s or early 60s, you know, there are over 55 communities that can be wonderful. The only thing there I say, stay away from the ones that are build, you know, still building, because your ability to sell when they're still building new units can be extremely difficult, and people often lose money because of that. So there are a lot of little things to, to watch out for when thinking about moving, and the things that I bring up are oftentimes things that, that others don't tell you about. Yeah. Um, I always like thinking out of outside the box. Yeah, well, <laughs> your favorite saying is you don't know what you don't know, and that's why uh, you need to pay attention and really think through these things because unexpected expenses and unintended consequences are not something that you want to have to encounter when you are moving in your senior years. You want that to be a, a fun and exciting time and not something that becomes a burden. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander and and we will be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. WGALaw.com is Bill's website. Go there to register for Bill's seminars happening on Wednesday, July 14th. If you have interest in the subjects of long-term care assistance, that means uh, being uh, provided government assistance dealing with the long-term care crisis, subjects of Medicaid and veterans benefits. It's a wonderful opportunity to learn about those subjects as well as asset protection and trust planning in the afternoon session. Go to WGALaw.com to register. Just click on the seminars button. Again, those are happening on Wednesday, July 
14th. We are out of time. We hope that you have a wonderful Independence Day weekend, and we hope that you'll join us again next weekend right here for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful weekend.